Welcome to The Messy Empire with Karen Prawl, where we prove to you that success is all about embracing the chaos and charging into the unknown. Hi, this is AJ Guzman, Editorial Director for The Messy Empire. Today we're looking at how the number of times you try something directly correlates to the number of times you succeed at it. So for instance, if you want to hit the ball more often, you just need more at-bats. In many cases, this is pretty simple. For instance, if you want to sell more houses, go on more appointments. Or if you want to make more connections, talk to more people. But in a lot of different cases, it's not so well defined. Karen explains how in these situations, what you might need to do is broaden your definition of an at-bat. Let's dive right in. Oh my gosh, AJ. In the 1980s or the 1990s, and I don't remember exactly what year, there was a movie called Working Girl. And it's not the working girl that you think of, but Melanie Griffith plays this girl who worked in the mail room and she's from like Staten Island and Joan Cusack was her sidekick. Gotta love Chicago reference, Joan Cusack. And Melanie starts the movie by working in the mail room and as people's assistant. And she was always thinking about ways she was going to do it better. And she saw opportunity and she seized it. An example would be when her boss was out of town, she went to her boss's house, put on the full outfit and went to a cocktail party to get in front of this guy that she could do business with. Do you want me to tell you how it ends? Yeah, of course. Oh my gosh. Okay. So the very end scene, and I will almost get tears in my eyes. For real. I know you can laugh all you want, but it's for, it's legit. She goes to work at this new job because, um, who is Indiana Jones? What's his name? Harrison Ford. Harrison Ford, I think is the sales counterpart that takes her idea and pitches it. But she's really the muscle behind this idea. Anyway, gets her involved with Mr. Trask. Okay. So that's the company name. That's how impactful this movie was. (laughs) And Mr. Trask, oh, There's another one at Michael J. Fox, too. I'm going to talk to you about that movie. Anyway, the long story is she goes to work at her new job, and she sits outside in the cubicle outside the executive offices. And this woman walks in, and she's like, Hi, I'm so-and-so. Can I get you coffee? And Melanie Griffith responds and says, Well, what would you like in it? And she's like, No, no, no. I work for you. And she took her in her office, which she obviously never dreamed of being in an office. But took her in her office, put her briefcase down, and that was actually her new position that she'd earned. And it's an awesome, inspiring movie. So she started in the mailroom and worked her way all the way up to an executive office? Totally. It's and like, a different company altogether? Yes, but through that relationship of conversation. And that and movie... Indiana Jones saves the day again. Yeah, I never saw an Indiana Jones movie. Don't judge. But business movies like Secret of My Success with Michael J. Fox... That movie was outstanding, and he literally was in the mailroom, too. Wait. What's... Do you not know that movie, I've either? I've never seen that movie. Secret of My Success? Oh, my gosh. It's so, it's so good and relevant, and how he hustled to the top. Because we went through this phase, like, you have to go to college, you have to do this. This is, like, your pedigree, and this is what you're bred to do. And now, I think we've cycled all the way back into full entrepreneurship. Mm-hmm. And these two movies 
they are now your required homework. All right. So Secret of My Success from Michael J. Fox. Writing it down right now. Secret of My Success. Uh huh. And, and Working Girl with Melanie Griffith. The hair alone is outstanding. Working Girl? Yes. That should be easy enough. Yeah. Now, all this to say that there's something huge to be said about getting your foot in the door and getting a small start, right? Yeah, and getting in front of people. And getting getting in front of the right people. Mm-hmm. So this sounds a lot like your story. And this sounds a lot like how you got started in real estate. In a very small scale, it could be. But opposite. I was of service to others. I didn't really bring in my ideas, except that they, at the end, bought a home. All right. We'll, we'll get back to that. Let's, let's talk about sometimes when, when people do the opposite and it doesn't work out. Have you ever seen anybody go in way too strong, way too early? And yeah, it just... it's like all my dating life in my 20s. <laughs> <laughs> no, but come on, yes. Yeah, yeah. You, you see agents go for the clothes way too early. Mm-hmm. What, what else do you, what other, other examples or other times does it show up? Being someone who can grant opportunity now, do you see people raise their hand too eagerly? Um, yes and no. I see a lot of people raise their hand and then I ask qualifying questions. Mm-hmm. And then they self-eliminate pretty quickly. Oh, wow. So that would be something like, oh, I want to, I just put an ad out on Facebook, not an ad per se, a post last week that one of my friends was looking for a general manager in North Carolina. Oh, okay. Okay. And so that was to run multiple offices. And in the response, I probably had 85 responses in a, in a post within two and three hours. You didn't pay for this to get boosted out or anything like that? No, I literally just posted it. And he'd been paying a headhunter to find this person. I was like, I'll just do it for you. And I, I don't want to qualify them. That's not my job. Like I literally was just using my network mm-hmm. to reach out, to reach a large group of people. So this was, this, I, this was like a Google form or something, right? Like it was... No, I didn't even do that. Well, I literally just, just posted it. DM Very me. entrepreneurial. Okay. And I had so many responses, and so I would respond. I would ha- give the information of the person who was hiring. But the people that raised their hand, I'm like, how have you shown up as a leader in our market center? How have you shown up as a leader in your community? How have you shown up a leader in your church? How did you show up your, as a leader in your school? Uh-huh. Like, there were so many qualifying questions that can happen, and some were great leaders, there are, they're, as far as I know. Right, like a handful of people made it through yeah. filter one and are hopefully talking to them sometime soon. Yeah, and I wasn't the filter one. I just was the messenger. Okay, okay. But yes, and so I find that people don't, well, people underestimate what they can do in five years, but overestimate what they can do in a year, mm-hmm. right? We talk about that a lot in, in leadership, yet I find that it becomes very hard to achieve goals if you don't have enough at-bats. And so basically my whole life has been an at-bat to get, it's helped me, achieve more okay so so you're talking like baseball like yeah you you want a better rbi you need more at bats i do you just need more more context you're not not looking for home runs you're not looking for grand slams no i'm just looking for at bats Hmm. because every time i go to bat every swing i have is a practice swing what about the swings that matter then that's amazing but I ha- maybe I have to have 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 swings to hit one that, quote, matters. 
that matters to the public, but does it matter to me? Like we have a, a phrase that I heard it today on another podcast I listened to is you either win or you learn and both are okay. Mm. And so for every at bat you have is a practice. So let's talk more about what's the character's name in Working Girl? Well, it's Melanie Griffith. I forget her name. All but right. Mr. Trask was the big radio media owner. So let's Probably say Rupert Murdoch, like masked. Let's say Mel- Melanie Griffith walks into Mr. Trask's business and says, I want to be an executive. Uh huh. And she raises her hand and then first round of interviews is immediately disqualified. Well, it'd be, they disqualify her for several reasons. Right. Just out of the gate. She'd mm-hmm. be done. Well, she's probably female at that time. That was probably a lot of it. But she didn't do that. No. Instead, she walked into the mailroom or looking for a job in the mailroom. She connected the dots of an idea that she had that could get everybody what they wanted to reach their goal. And she was the connector, the facilitator of the idea and the executor of the idea. So if I were a player, then I, I don't need to be worried about hitting the ball. I just need to be worried about showing up to the plate more often. Yes. You know why? Because I always was told by Joel, because my stepdaughters play softball, that it doesn't matter what infield or outfield or whatever position you play on the field. If you can bat, they will find a place for you on the field. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. Right? So I don't really like to watch baseball. Only Cubs games in the summer when I'm there in person, but on TV. But I've always thought about when he has mentioned that over and over again is, if you're good enough, they'll find a place for you in the field. Yeah, and if you're good enough, you get to play for the league that has a designated hitter. Then you don't need to do anything else. What is? I don't even know what that means. Man, you're gonna challenge me on this. I think it's the National League, whichever ones this, whichever league the Sox plays for. Uh huh. It's gonna sound terrible. They have a designated hitter. The designated hitter. AJ's is, not a baseball yeah, fan. Yeah, not really great at this. A designated hitter only has to bat. Like that is his only job. Oh. He doesn't have to play. That's his one thing. Yeah. He, Typically subs out for the pitcher, so the pitcher doesn't have to bat. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Okay. Yeah. I'm with you. Yeah, so if I have 100 at-bats and I hit five of them, five runs in a game would be amazing. Amazing. So what what would five first base hits, five a first, second, third, or any combination would be awesome? Just the law of big numbers. You would eventually start bringing in some points. That's right. Yeah. Where does this show up in other people's lives? Where does this show up in people who might be listening's lives? Well, let's, I mean, let's talk about how it showed up in Michael Jordan's life. Okay. Okay, so Michael Jordan, obviously legendary basketball player. Yeah, I don't think there's a person listening that doesn't know who Michael Jordan is. Nope, they probably don't. And he did not make his high school basketball team, Mm -hmm. right? But what did he practice every single day? Because when you're, when you're training for something, and this is the same in real estate or any business, it could be a medical practitioner, it could be an attorney. When you're practicing every day, then your body knows what to do on game day. Your mind knows what to do on game day because you've already trained it what to do. So I think of real estate as the same thing. Every at bat, I'm gonna know exactly what to do because my mind is gonna train to do it. Yeah, muscle memory, right? Yeah. And so my husband did it. He's a rodeo champion, right? He's a mm-hmm. roper. And as long as he practiced every single Wait, day. Wait, there is no way that we're glossing over that. Joel's a rodeo roper? Yeah. He, um, yes. So he grew up in Aspen, Colorado with no running water or electricity. Like, this is no joke. This and, is the best thing I've ever heard. Why am I just now finding out oh, about yeah. this? Oh, yeah. And he had a choice to go to kindergarten or ride horses to rope. I certainly hope he made the right decision. 
and went to ride horses. Obviously. What five-year-old kid would be like, yeah, let's go to school. Yeah. So he could either rope calves or go to kindergarten. So he chose rope calves. And he uh, practiced every single day. And um, when he was 12, he won his first national championship as a calf roper. Because he had done it every single day? Yeah. Because he developed that muscle memory? Yeah. At 12? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And, and then he was known in, in Aspen as the cowboy that wore Reeboks. Like, he used to wear white Reebok high tops. That's awesome. In, with stirrups. Like, he, you know, he always was a, uh, he'd always beat to his own drum. Um, but he was, his father was very disciplined and his mother and uh, implementing, you know, pushing him. And so he ended up winning national high school finals, went to college for rodeo and, uh, and then his daughters now work, you know, are barrel racers and, and other things. So that's awesome. I, I don't know why I, I mm-hmm. feel like I kind of like knew this in the back of my head, but I didn't know the exact story. Yeah. That's so awesome. Now he's older and his body doesn't function like it did. Um, so now he's a team roper because that doesn't require you to get off your horse and go chase a calf. <laughs> <laughs> so, so now he, he's a team roper and, um, he still does it, but his youngest daughter, Carson, is going to college for a rodeo for barrel racing. So that's my other life. Oh, that's pretty cool, actually. Yeah. Yeah. The oldest did. And now Carson, the middle one didn't. Um, she's very academically smart. And then the youngest one is going for a rodeo. Sorry for that distraction. Sorry. Yeah. I just, Shocking. I, I had to dive down that rabbit hole. No, but they it's the practice every day that made Joel so good. Mm-hmm. So it's interesting when people uh, don't win and they wonder what happened. It's because they weren't practicing. Oh, God, but you've been guilty of that, right? Like I've done that for sure, where I've tried like something one time and then I've been like, it didn't upset work. That it didn't work that one time. Every day. Yeah, like me trying to wear contacts. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, I've tried. I hate that word. We talk about that already, but uh, contacts are challenging, and I can't quit. Oh, I couldn't imagine touching my eyeball on a daily basis. Yeah, what's what is it for you? What do you mean that like? I've tried. Uh-huh. Oh, God, I can't think of anything on the spot right now. Do you ever, like, work out one day and you're like, am I thinner? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I've done that a ton. Yeah. Or, like, yeah. <laughs> like, I did 10 squats. How are my thighs? How Are they is... firm? It's going to kick in in no time. <laughs> I'm expecting a change today. So, that... I've been dieting for the last 48 hours. I I'm... expect to make the cover of Sports Illustrated any day now. Or, I've been dieting for 48 hours, so I'm going to go ahead and eat that pizza. Oh, yeah, I've earned it. I've earned it at this point. Obviously. Yeah. I haven't eaten... Um, yeah. So I think with, in real estate, how I got started is I was always raised and we talk about this incessantly about previewing houses and knowing my market. Oh, that's, that's huge in our market center is know your market, know your product. If you're going to sell anything, you got to know the product. Yeah. And if I'm not previewing it, I don't know what's happening in my own. I start hyper local in my own neighborhood and then expand out. Mm -hmm. Right. So you start in like a, start with one block, know everything on the market and then go to five blocks and then go to 10 blocks and just expand. So when I was on a team in Denver, Colorado, because I moved there, I didn't know anyone. Mm -hmm. I had no sphere and I just had to build a business. And, and I started driving a different way to the office every day. And I would preview houses along the way. That's a pretty small first step. Yeah. That's a that's one way to get your foot in the door, right? You, you know, this route, now you know the second route, now yeah. you know the third route. And you start knowing the names of these streets and you start knowing the different ways to get right. around. Because we had a map book. We didn't have the internet in my phone, mm. right, at this time. And so I had a map book. So I would route and I would preview houses along the way. But prior to that, when I got started in Columbus is I would go preview homes and I would ask my friends if they want to go preview with me. 
So that's not really a preview. It's kind of a showing, but they weren't really looking for a house. Who, who were you inviting? Like my girlfriends or guy friends. Like, hey, I'm going to go preview some three houses today. Do you want to come with me? Who so, doesn't want to go? So let's tie this back into a little earlier. So like previewing houses is just like the mailroom, like first job at the mailroom. Well, you have to get comfortable using the lockbox. Mm-hmm. Right, that's setting scheduling a showing is scary, or set, scheduling a preview, using the lot box, going in the home, what to take notice, what didn't. I always took a blank MLS entry form with me, so I could go through and check the boxes of the oh. things that people might be interested in. Uh, that's a really good one, actually. Thanks. All right, so then, so then, bringing someone who's completely not interested along. Totally not. What that's like the equivalent of showing up to the ball in your boss's place. Showing up what? To the ball, the ball, what was it, the dance, a cocktail party? Like, oh yeah, oh, yeah. Melanie Griffith in yeah, yeah, the yeah, movie. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I'm still trying to tie it back into that. Yeah, she totally did, and wearing, and wearing her boss's clothes. And a fur, like it was a fur, Boss it was crazy. Movie. Oh yeah, you gotta, you gotta wear it all the way. I mean, if you're gonna go, go big. Yeah, yeah. And so, I would so, wear- So you went big and you said, hey, you tag along with me? I don't even think that's big. You don't think that's big? No, maybe I just didn't want to be alone. Oh, cause, so this is still more like practice. Yeah, I was practicing. So just come with me. I'm going to preview some houses. And I always routed. I used Yahoo Maps or AOL Maps or whatever at the time. You didn't even know what AOL is anymore. Yeah, I know what AOL is. All right. If someone, Online. if someone has an AOL account, I assume they're 90. Like that's like a benchmark of age. That's fair. Okay. So I would always Google. I'd know the addresses because I'd like to know everything in the market. And I would walk in and I would take a look at the house and I would look at the key elements that I was looking, you know, finding on my MLS sheet. How many bedrooms, how many bathrooms, is a main floor on a master or second floor, whatever. And my friends loved going to look at houses. Who doesn't? Yeah. Because they maybe didn't go to open house because they weren't in the market. Mm. And when buyers start getting in the market, they become obsessed and it becomes all encompassing and it's everything they do. Well, what I learned with going through uh, previews with friends is they didn't feel like they were on the defense. They were just looking at houses. So that's step two. Yeah. So then the next house we'd go to, and I always previewed the houses in the price range of the rent they were paying. Did you do that on purpose? Totally. All right. All right. So this is starting to connect a little bit. Yeah. So I would the second house we'd go through and I would take them through and I would like the paint color or the counters or the kitchen or I don't know anything because as a renter and at this point I've been divorced I didn't own my house like I was a renter so I knew the pains of rentals yeah as a renter you can't change anything can't do anything yeah it's not yours not to mention that usually paying more than someone's paying for the same size house yeah and so I would say oh what do you think of this paint do you get to paint your house? And I would just start Ooh, asking questions. Just salt on the wound. I would. And I didn't mean it to be painful. I just needed them to self-discover that what they really needed to do was buy a house for me. <laughs> so then the next house, I would go through. And I, this is like a drip campaign, but in person. Was it, were these like all houses on the same day or was it like? No, same day. Same day? Okay. Yeah. And then the next person, I would... Um, I would, or the next house I would say, oh my gosh, it's amazing that you can own this house for 10, 50 a month. <laughs> You're a jerk. That's so good. And then I would be like, how much do you pay in rent? And they'd say 1150 or a thousand. <laughs> I'm like, wow, for a hundred dollars a month, you could own your own home like this. That's amazing. And then I would shut up and I would not bring it up again. 
But then the next time I'd go preview, because I previewed twice a week, like I had a schedule, mm-hmm. Tuesdays and Thursdays, I would go preview and I would ask them if they wanted to come with me. And then what was I really doing? You were showing. Totally showing. And so it's funny, the house, the first house I sold, I actually previewed with my friend Mark, but I ended up selling it to Teresa. And then Mark bought a different house for me in the same neighborhood. And then our friend Annie bought a house across the street from Teresa. And I sold all three of them houses. All from a little bit of a... A drip. A little bit of a drip campaign. Yeah. Yeah. Like you said, just by starting in the mailroom on that one. It was at Just by getting Mm -hmm. your foot in the door. Mm Mm-hmm. What what do you call it? At bat. Getting an at bat. Because they then didn't see me as their bartender restaurant manager friend. They saw me as a realtor. And that was a big mind shift for them is they saw me in a different way because I got to practice like, here's the kitchen, here's this here. Like, obviously it's the kitchen. There's only one stove, but I got to, I, I, I was able to practice my home showing skills on my friends and they loved me. Have you heard of anybody else doing that since? I talk about it all the time and nobody, I don't know that anyone, I was maybe say, I don't anybody taking it. you up on that? You know what's so funny is what I've realized in my communication, and part of this has been very cathartic for me, is that what's in my head and what I want to say, I'm not even 50, 60, 70% clear of how I unload that conversation. So having you be my cohort in this, it's good because you allow you coach me to chunk it down and explain it better. I, I have that exact same problem, though. where You do not. Yeah, where you have something you want to say and you just like blurt out a couple of the keywords then it doesn't make like a coherent thought maybe that's why our phone conversations sound like every eighth word gets picked up because we actually say (laughs) very few words but we totally get our message across yeah it kind of works yeah it's efficient why use big word and few word do trick yeah like my gosh, that's something my dad would have said. But it, it, it's it's worked out. It's so funny because that's you and I do. We do not communicate frequently or often Mm-mm. or maybe a, a somewhat, but it's like, never a lot. Yeah, I was going to say, like, not not a ton. No. Not incessantly, that's like, for does, sure. Does your girlfriend ask you to, like, share more or are you naturally talk to, talkative? Oh, man. I feel like with Anne, I'm pretty naturally talkative, honestly. You've been together six years. Yeah. Like a third of your life. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so she knows you pretty well. All right, so that's how I would then talk about getting them qualified for a loan, going back to the buyers and setting them up with a, with a guy and, and getting pre-qualified. And then the next thing you know, I've sold him a house. And so my first house I sold to Teresa. Okay. She, um, I missed, I screwed up. I forgot to order a termite inspection or a termite resolution, which in the, in the Midwest can be a big issue and not in all states. Um, mm. And this was at my very first closing, my, I called my mentor and I'm like, I screwed up. And she's like, oh, just order, just get it done. And we escrowed the money and blah, blah, blah. I mean, we got it done, but I totally screwed up and I dropped the ball. And so I paid for an $800 termite treatment as my welcome gift right. um, to their home. <laughs> Cause I screwed up. Yeah, I probably screwed up the second, third, fourth, fifth, hundredth and 200th house too. That's the name of the game, right? Every day. Sometimes you're going to screw up. Mm-hmm. Just deal with that when that happens. Yeah. What's that called? What do you call that? Life. Being messy? Messy. Messy life. And so that became, um, 
then Teresa told Annie and then Annie wanted to be her neighbor and Mark bought an awesome house and it just, and that's what kind of started my business rolling. But it all started with the intention of knowing my market and then who can I take on that journey with me? I like that. I like that this ties back into just getting more at bats at this mm-hmm. point. So actually, you know what movie would I am just now thinking of? Like I should have thought of this sooner. Which one? Is, is it called Rudy? Is that is, yeah from Notre Dame Rudy? Yeah, is that the name of the movie? Rudy? Yeah, it yeah, is. Yeah, Rudy. Yeah, uh-huh. like where it's like literally no, just let me let me like tend to the water, or let me manage the equipment coach, or yeah, let let me help the players practice coach, and then like let me practice with the players. Like it's just every time, just a little bit more. Because if he would have, well, he did try out for the team, and they were just like, no, it was an absolute no. He rose right. his hand, but he was disqualified. But he just kept taking those smaller at bats where he could, yeah, and building up into it. That's so like that, at that point, like, hey, let me let me be like the product manager, or let me be the uh, equipment manager, is the equivalent of like, hey, tag along with me while I go pre- preview houses. Yeah, yeah, I think it's. It's fascinating because I wouldn't be sitting here today in Naperville, Illinois, if I'd never had the opportunity to go work at the Keller Williams office in Amarillo, Texas. That was an at-bat for me. So that's a couple, that's like a step or two different. First couple of houses were in Columbus. Yeah. Did you go straight from Columbus to Amarillo? No, I went from Columbus to Denver, Colorado, because I thought if I'm going to sell houses, I'm going to do it in the most beautiful state in the country. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. Honestly. Yeah, because Colorado was always our happy place. Mm-hmm. And and so to me, I had two sisters out there. Um, I wanted to move. I figured I'm single now. If I don't do it right now, I'm never going to do it. And I don't, I wasn't an Ohio girl. I'd kind of, I thought I was going to be mayor of Columbus someday. Oh, like yeah. it was like my big dream. Sorry. Yeah, not the mayor. Um, and Columbus is an amazing town, or amazing city, actually. And uh, But I moved to Denver, and I worked on a team for a rainmaker. So so as I met my husband and veered my way into um, a commitment with him, I relocated to Texas for him in Amarillo. And I, and I cr- made up my position about right. why I wanted to be there. Hmm. Did you go straight in as a team leader? Or? No. So I was an agent at Coldwell Banker, which I, we talked about on a prior episode. And my husband, while well, we had to be engaged, I wasn't moving without a ring on it. And I called the Keller Williams office and I said, I want to be a leader with Keller Williams. And they're like, well, you're a Coldwell Banker agent. Why would you ever want to be a leader with us? I'm like, well, I was with KW and I had a great experience and I don't want to sell real estate there. I'd like to use my leadership skills that I learned from working in the restaurant business and use my real estate skills and and re- operate at Keller Williams office. And they said, we already have someone to do that. And I'm like, nope, <laughs> you need to meet me. And so I got in front of the operating partner at that point, which then I convinced through probably 20 hours of interviewing. Holy. Uh-huh, 20 hours. It was crazy. But I then said, why don't you hire me in addition to? Pay me $30,000 a year. No way. Yeah. Wait, so hire me in addition to... To the leader, because they didn't have room for me, but I needed to show them that they needed me. So you literally created a job for you. Oh, yeah. I named myself the Director of Business Development. So I was a productivity coach and assistant team leader together. And they'd been at the same agent count for 10 years and hadn't grown. 60 agents, 60 agents, 60 agents. And this is a board of like 350 agents. And um, we... 
we doubled it in two and a half years. Um, I got to calorize the office mm. and teach a lot of people. And so we didn't um, necessarily go recruit agent after agents. We made a lot of agents. So new agents. And they've gone on to sell 50, 60, 70 million dollars. And more, more importantly, I've made some amazing friends so that are still my best friends today. So this is huge, actually. This is kind of a big deal because there wasn't a job for you there. No. There was nothing. They, didn't, they weren't looking for another person. No. But you, you kind of, for lack of a better term, you kind of weaseled your way in there. Yeah. But like, that's where you had to start, right? Like the- I did. And so when my husband wasn't, we were making enough to rub two pennies together. He had child support um, for his kids. And we were living in a town and I said, honey, you know, this is the job and this is what I want to do. And he said, why don't you want to sell real estate? You could make so much more money. I'm like, I'm done selling. I mean, the, we, I was in a, this was 2010 and the market was crashing all around us, not in Texas, but in Denver. And mm. it was crashing hard. And plus I was like falling in love. So I wasn't really paying as much attention to my real estate business okay. yeah, yeah. as I should have. And, and so we both kind of, um, we, we retired, we retired. So I made this position because I knew what I wanted to do, and that was impact people. I didn't know the word at the time. You, impact wasn't your word at the no, time? No, it was like survive. And so that was my word. But you just you just knew you wanted to help people or you wanted to help agents grow their business, or what was it? Yeah, I just, yeah, I wanted to positively impact. And so I drove 50 miles each way to and from work every day. Holy cow. And I lived in a remote town with no cell phone service. And I drove uh, to work every day, and and I and I actually got sick through that uh, first couple of years. I had Lyme disease, and and so that that took me out for a while. But they they embraced me. I just had to sell it to them one at a time, and just be my authentic self, and really come from a good place. And so that was almost ten years ago, which is amazing to me. And the core group of those people are still my good friends today. Here's something I want to find out about, though. Um, that's a pretty unique story. Um, I don't know that it's that unique. Do you know other people that have done something similar? Can you think of example? Because what I'm thinking... Working girl. I, as I know a lot of people, and I know a lot of entrepreneurial people, that have two possible settings. Either 10 or not at all. Like, it's... it's 10? What do you mean, what's 1 and what's 10? Like either not not even trying or not even going for something or doing it 100% and for sure. Like, you know, if I'm walking into Mr. Trask, I'm walking in as the CEO. Uh-huh. There are a lot of people that are like that. And I feel like that's more common right now. Um, yes. Yes. And yes, it's an old... My parents were raised born in the Depression. Mm-hmm. So we were raised with a work ethic of always earning it. Mm-hmm. And so... I said, you can pay me 30000 and then I'll earn my right to then more opportunities, which is how I lead now, right? Right. And because I want to see what they have first before, before I want them to believe in themselves as much as they want me to believe in them. Huh. And so that experience, the next year I was like, okay, this is what I've done. This is the benchmarks. This is what we've accomplished now. I like this. And the next month or the next year I want this. And... I wanted the team leader role and they weren't willing, the owner was not willing to um, replace the team leader. And while I was doing uh, the majority of the work. Did they eventually replace the team leader? Yes. 
Not okay. for me. No? No. Hmm. I think there were... It was a it was a messy point, but it all happened exactly how it should. So that's when I went back to Denver to be a team leader. Oh, okay, okay. Mm-hmm. So that's what brought me back is like, well, I've kind of outgrown here. Amarillo only has one office, and so that's what I've I've I knew I had to find another opportunity that I could reach a new ceiling. I swear, there's something here because I every agent says, you know, I sold whatever, I sold ten homes this year. Next year, I want to sell a hundred. But that's not what you did at all. You didn't say, you know, I'm starting here and next year I want to be here. You're saying next year I want to be better. Better. Yeah. And I'm not going from 10 to a hundred right now, but I'm going to take the next step towards it. Well, if I'm not always improving and working to make it better, like you either win or you learn Mm -hmm. and either way is okay. I learned a lot and I was like, I, I, learned a lot about uh, myself and about leadership. And I also learned that my commitment of my husband to me and I'd never really trusted people before. And I really knew he had my back and in my life with Joel, he had three daughters. He still has three daughters. Thank goodness. But, um, they were really trying towards me too. So being a step parent also, uh, was really a challenging time and I wasn't healthy. I wasn't feeling well. So it was a combination of things, but my work fed me. Uh, fed my soul Mm -hmm. and I knew if I did the work the money would show up later so it's never with I don't ever go into a position just like how I got to Naperville is I took half my quote salary to come here right right you gave up quite a bit I did yet because it was who I was aligned with which is a big theme in our in our sessions and so Taking that at bat is that got me in front of 60 people, 100 people, 120 people in the community too, which gave me validity to then go to Denver and do it again and do it better because what I've learned to do and what not to do from my prior experience. So you're winning the whole time. I was. Because if you weren't winning, you were learning. Yeah. And it was painful. Right? Oh, like, yeah. I'm positive. Yeah, it was hard on my... I mean, it was hard on my relationship. Well, you said you doubled the office, right? To like oh, 120. yeah. 120? How, mm-hmm. how big was the board? 350, maybe. So you had half the board yeah. uh, in your office. Yeah, and we were making new agents left and right that were killing it. Can you imagine having half the board out here in Naperville? Yeah, that I'd have 20,000 agents. Getting pretty close. Yeah. <laughs> Someday. <laughs> and so... I take a look at the people um, that are still there today and they are, they have such a great group and the front desk is now the MCA and she didn't even know how to use the desktop on her computer, but she always had a great energy and she was like a good person and, and, and coming, being a Yankee in, in Amarillo, Texas, and that's what you get called. A Yankee. mm -hmm, Everybody asked me, who's my kin, which meant like, who is your family? Like, what's your family name? And then what church I went to. And so it's just a very different place that I grew up in. And, and so the fact that I was able to assimilate and find some of my greatest friends today from that experience is I always made the best of wherever I was. So when I was working for Cameron, uh, my, did I tell you I'm a licensed officiant? I can marry people. Oh, you did tell me that actually. So I've married, um, several friends and you know, the first two people I sold a house to, Teresa and then Annie. Did you marry them? I married both of them too. And now today, every year we take a trip together. And so every Labor Day, it's a memorial, whatever in September is Labor Day. And um, 
And, and, and so they, we've been in and out of each other's lives and we started working at a restaurant together. Literally is how we know each other. And so Annie married Chris and actually Teresa married Chris <laughs> and not the same Chris. Like, mm-hmm. And so Chris having a great time. Right. Columbus. And, and Annie, Annie's living, Annie and Chris are living in LA and they still have their rental house in, in Columbus actually. And she is working for the largest hotel Sheraton owner in the world. It's a Chinese man, I believe. And she is doing um, sales and catering, but she does movie uh, contracts, large events, blah, blah. And she'd go around the world and open hotels because of our restaurant background. Mm -hmm. And and she is very learning-based, and she's very passionate, and she's really good. And she is 100% authentic Annie, okay? And take her or leave her, it's either you're going to love her or hate her. But right. most everybody in my world loves her. But she shows up real. She shows up as herself. Legit, 100%. And she keeps me young because she's like 10 years younger than me. So Annie and I and Teresa are on a trip. And she says to me about two and a half years ago, hey, I've been traveling around the world with the Mexican soccer team. I am their hotel ambassador. Oh, wow. Yeah. So she is like, you know, she goes in one to 10. She's 100 in. She knows soccer matches. She knows everything about FIFA, World Cup. She's been all over the world. She travels with the team. She's the hotel concierge person. Um, She knows players. She knows draft. I mean, the girl is like in it to win it is Annie. And, And it's almost like, who are you? Like you're talking so much about this MLS team. And she said, you know, my dream is to work. There's a new MLS franchise coming to LA. My dream is to work for them. And I'm like, really? And she goes, yeah. I go, I actually know the founder that's starting this MLS franchise in LA. You knew the founder. I did. And she's like, shut up. And I think she thought like I'm salesman full of shit, right? But I literally know the founder, Tom Penn, because he married one of my childhood best friends, Melissa. (laughs) And actually, like your girlfriend, they met at law school at U of I. It's how they met. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, he saw her swimming in the pool. <laughs> yeah. <That's awesome. laughs> yeah. So anyway, long story short, and talk about meeting opportunities is I'd love to share the story. Maybe uh, we could get Tom on here. Oh yeah. Someday would be would be amazing how how that all came about. And and Annie, she's like, shut up. I go, I can connect you. And so I text Melissa, my friend, and I said, Hey, my girlfriend's dream, I'm in LA actually right now for a mastermind. My girlfriend's dream is to work for Tom. And she's like, really, what does she do? So I explain it and she's like, okay, um, here's his email or whatever. Because I actually hadn't seen Tom since from a, from a wedding like 10 years prior. But I was, Melissa and I were very important in each other's lives. So he did remember mm. who I was, I hoped at mm. some point. It's gonna be like, hi, Melissa's friend from kindergarten. You know, it was gonna be my introductory email. But I figured if I don't take a chance, how will we ever know to connect these dots? And so that's what I love doing is connecting. But impact and taking opportunity have a lot to do with it. So I'm sitting in LA in the lobby having a drink with a friend. And in, oh, at that point, I was in the elevator with like Joe Madden every day, twice a day. I didn't even know. Scotty Pippen was there. Apparently the Cubs were playing the Dodgers. Okay. So this is like, you're, we're not baseball people. That's pretty cool. But like a seven day series or blah, blah, blah. Yeah. But not like the World Series. No, no, no. Yeah, like I a know, game I, I series. series okay. All right. So like I'm schooling you at yeah, no, fucking I baseball. It. Thanks for the help. <laughs> so I'm sitting in, and the, the lobby of this JW Marriott is massive. I mean, it's massive. And I'm sitting having a drink and in walks Tom Penn. 
And this is four days prior, Annie and Teresa had surprised me in LA. Hmm. Like Teresa flew from Atlanta. So I'd been with them. And this is when I hear about this. In walks Tom Penn. Have you emailed him by now? Or nope. you only talked to him? I've only talked to him, Melissa. I texted Melissa because we were going to try to get together because they live in Manhattan Beach. And so I was, and I had not taken any action steps except reaching out to Melissa to share what I what it is that I wanted. And with that, I, Tom and I make eye contact. And he's like, Karen Schmidt, what are you doing? I'm like, um, hi, been here a week. Email, texted your wife, blah, blah, blah. We FaceTimed last night. And he's like, oh, okay. He's like, what's going on? Da, da, da. I was like, hey, congratulations. I heard you're launching this MLS franchise. They're building a stadium. It's the largest privately owned stadium in, in the world. Now, a soccer stadium or maybe even stadium. It's insane. I think maybe a Cowboy Stadium might be bigger. Um, and so I said, I have this friend. Her only job, her only goal is to work for you. And as I'm saying this, I'm texting Annie, get your ass here, get your ass here, get your ass here. Because I want it to be... A little Oopsie, look at like, yeah. like this is so crazy. So I'm texting Annie. She told me she literally like flipped up her chair and was running down. And I said, actually, she's on her way here for to meet me for a drink. Are you going to be here for a few minutes? And he's like, I am. I'm meeting some friends and go to the game. And I don't know. Tom is like a local sports celebrity now in L.A. And so he's kind of a big deal. And I'm like, awesome. So I met his friends. He's like, this is like my wife's childhood best friend. And it was so fun to see him. And and just check in. And so he's like, yeah, sure. Here's my text, you know, text me, call me, whatever. And we took selfies and sent them to his wife and talk about how crazy this is. And so Annie got there and she got there too late. He had to go. Oh, I know, but it wasn't all bad. Right. Because who knows if she was ready, dressed, able, right. Which we teach people to be right. Right. But cause it could have been worse if she showed up. Not yeah, ready. Not yeah. ready for the at bat. But she was ready and she sent him an email and I call it the email of a lifetime. And it's like, why you need to hire me? You gave her, you gave her his Tom. email address. Yes. And it was why you need to hire me. And so it's, it, it's like what I did in Amarillo, but she one upped it by like a hundred. It's like what you did when you were trying to get the team leader job that didn't exist for you. Yes. She created, she's like, here's why you need to hire me. Here's why I'm going to bring you revenue. Here's where I'm going to cut your costs. Here's what I can. Do. And she basically laid out her value proposition in a one email and like laid it out. I was like, that is balls out. And it was amazing. And it still brings, gives me chills and brings tears to my eyes because that's the Annie. Like that's it girl. Because who is not going to pay attention? Right. Yeah. I mean, she has one chance to get in front of this guy. How did it work? We're all curious at this point. Oh, are you dying to know? Yeah. Well, then it went through all these people and these directors and blah, 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 blah. So about two months later, I get a text message and Annie's in the stadium wearing the LA Football Club hard hat in a picture in the stadium because now she works there. That's awesome. I know. And it's so she's gotten to build this MLS franchise with Tom you know, and his group, I mean, his partners are Magic Johnson, Mia Hamm, Tony Robbins. I mean, there are four owners and then there's investors wow. and the investor pool is sick. I mean, it's sick. And so, and that all started for him from a conversation. So real quick, just kind of putting some perspective on this. Do you think that that's Annie's mailroom or do you think that's her CEO suite or her executive office? She's not done. 
She's not done? No. I think this is closer to her mail room? Um, no, I think she's right in the middle. Okay, so she's, she just did the boss's clothes swap at the cocktail party. Mm-hmm. I'm putting this movie... I've already seen this yeah, movie she, I mean, in my head. She, she wrote that letter like she already had the job. And here's her value proposition. And and when I see people raise their hand like that, like I'm like, that's who wants it. So this, that brings it all together because this only happened because you didn't burn a bridge with Tom or Melissa. This only happened because Annie never burned a bridge with you, despite the fact that you guys had all gone long stretches of time without talking. And Annie and Melissa would never meet because they're from two different groups of friends. Oh, I, so they didn't even overlap. That's not even like the same. Not structure. even close. So, a 20-year overlap. I mean, 20-year. So I guarantee that there's no way Annie thought that you were going to be the person that exposed for this kind of opportunity. No, but you know what she did? She put it out there. She still put it out there in the universe for you. She did. She, and, and, and it really had nothing to do with me except when you say yes to conversation or you have as many at-bats as you can or you just are open You never and you don't burn a bridge, like you never know where it's going to lead you. So for this... I hadn't seen Tom in 10 years, mm-hmm. right? It was at our other friend's wedding the last time I saw him. And yet I've stayed in touch with Melissa and not ton, not a ton. I don't even talk to Annie right. except twice a year. Who is Annie to you? Well, she's one of my best friends. But she she worked in the restaurant that I did in um, 2002 or three. 2002 or three, and you guys created a relationship from working in the same restaurant. Annie Teresa, yeah. A bunch of us actually are still friends. How many people do you think would let that relationship go? Like, so many people, right? Yeah. Yeah, would just, that's somebody I used to work with. I moved. I moved. They were doing something else now. I think they're selling houses or something yep. like that. Um, I'm doing my own thing. It's been a decade now. Really easy to lose, lose touch with those people and mm-hmm. just kind of let those relationships die out. Let those bridges kind of burn on their own. Yeah. And I don't think it's necessary. Like I just had a former client call me that I sold a house to for the first time in 2006 or seven. Mm-hmm. And then I sold all his friends houses and then he moved to Texas. Then he moved back. So I sold him another house. I mean, it was crazy, the ups and downs. And I referred him out now to an agent in Denver, but um, he called me. He's like, Schmidt, my mom is getting a real estate license. Do you mind if I connect you with her? Mm-hmm. And she was a CFO of a hospital system. That's awesome. Yeah, like this just happened last week and we can pick up the phone like nothing has changed because nothing has changed except all of a sudden he got married, he's having the second child. I mean, everything has changed. Right. But the relationship has always been there. What are some other examples of at-bats? Um, so this weekend I went. I hosted a graduation party um, for my stepdaughter and I know every house in the area that's under contract or for sale, like I, or everything that's sold because that's my job as my neighborhood expert. So everything I do is an at bat. Um, what would another example be AJ? You, when you go to the dry bar, am I saying that right? Yeah. Am I saying, yeah. Saying what that? do they talk to me about? I'm sure they talk to you about work. Yeah, they talk to me about real estate all the time. What's going on? What's for sale? What's this? So is getting a haircut an at-bat? Absolutely. A haircut is an at-bat. Everything's an at-bat. Everything I do. If I'm going to Whole Foods, that's an at-bat because I might see someone I know or that I don't know that, I, that I'm in real estate. I don't, I don't need to wear it on my heart or my sleeve that I'm like, I'm a realtor and a lighted sign above my head. 
you know, walking around town. But if I don't know what's happened in my own town, so I, I relate it to going to Starbucks, right? You go to Starbucks, I go to Starbucks. If I go to Starbucks and I order, I order a venti coconut milk latte every day, okay? But I go to different Starbucks. I primarily go to the one at River Square, but I go to different Starbucks because I'm, I'm around a lot, but I always get the same thing. So what would it look like if I went to Starbucks and I ordered my venti coconut latte and they said to me, what's a latte? How would that feel to me? Like, well, you're not looking forward to the latte, that's for certain, because it's their first time making it. How good could it be? How good do they have? Who hired this person and they have no idea what they're doing? Right. Do you want to order drinks from that person again? Nope. You know what I'm saying? Because I have a standard of what I expect at Starbucks, but it could be me going to... So this is the same as you're wearing your KW shirt to go buy groceries and they ask you, how's the market? Uh-huh. You can't say, what's the market? Yeah. Like I just said to a lender the other day, what's the best product you offer? And they didn't know. They didn't have an answer for me. And I'm like, this is your at-bat, right? We can influence a lot of agents. Especially with you, like, yeah. Well, it's not even especially with me, but if they don't, if they can't say it, if they don't have belief of what their best product is, do I have much, I actually don't even remember who it was. So if that tells you anything. But if I had someone that said, like, I know there's one mortgage company who specializes in VA loans and VA, and they do VA training and VA certification and this. So guess what? If someone asks for a VA loan, guess who I send them? To that lender. And so it's so fascinating to me when we don't have a value proposition or even a, a, an add-on to share. Because if I go to Starbucks and I can't get my latte, I'm probably not going back to Starbucks. And so if someone asks you a question, especially those that you know you and love you, and you can't answer it, either you do it the Disney way, which is let me find out and I'll get back to you, mm -hmm. or you know the answer. Those are your only two options. Those are your only two options and you better follow up. So there you have it. If you want to be exposed to more opportunities, you just need to broaden your definition of an at-bat. And just like Melanie Griffin, you might even have to take smaller at-bats up front to create more opportunities for larger at-bats down the road. And in case you were wondering how this analogy holds up in the real world, Hank Aaron, who holds the number one spot for RBIs, also holds the number two spot for total number of at-bats. As always, follow us on Instagram and let us know what you're going to do to increase the total number of at-bats. Are you going to change your definition of a buyer's appointment to include taking some friends out on showings or something else altogether? Just let us know in the comments section and we'll be happy to talk. Any suggestions for our next episode? Tell us on Instagram at The Messy Empire. Thank you for listening to The Messy Empire with Karen Prawl.